Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Farmer Greg here, and welcome to the 596th episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your food revolution. Today on our podcast, we have someone who is focusing on improving our body's resilience to environmental and emotional stressors. We're talking with returning guest Patty Milligan about saliva and the immune system. Patty has been in the nutrition field for nearly 40 years, working in clinical nutrition, integrative medicine, and natural foods. Patty brings a unique blend of clinical, educational, holistic, consumer, and PR experience. Her work and passion in the field of neuroscience of taste has led her to the field of saliva research and exploring the why behind the foods we like and eat. Patty, we got to meet you in episode 582 a few weeks back, where you and I talked about growing healthier eaters, an episode I would recommend for anyone raising a child. Welcome back to the show. Are you ready to rock spit? (laughs) I am. Thanks for having me. (laughs) So last we talked, you said you were a saliva researcher, and I said, what? Can you explain what this is and maybe why you (laughs) chose the field? Certainly. I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) I've been in nutrition for so long, and I I bet all of us right now are are kind of licking our lips thinking of saliva, and I have no idea, yeah, no idea that saliva, we always learned, started the digestive process, and we know it's so important for dental health. Oh, yes. And beyond that, beyond that, I don't think we knew anything else. Until I met a neuroscientist who said that saliva is the third thing in our body that we produce exactly the same amount every single day. And that got my attention. What is this juicy liquid that the body thinks is so critical to produce it, you know, consistently day to day? Because we all know our hair grows differently, our skin turns over at different amounts between summer and winter. Even our fingernails grow differently depending on the seasons. And yet saliva production, one and a half to two liters every single day. Wow. So it got my attention to study it. (laughs) Wow. So it starts our digestive process. Tell me about that. 
Yes. It turns out that when we start chewing food, or to be honest, even when we smell food, in fact, if we all talked about one of our favorite smells, you know, chocolate chip cookies, baking, or when we smell, you know, garlic sauteing in a pan, we all probably can recall that. And if we were to measure our saliva production right at that memory, we would actually produce stuff. So we find out that saliva is the first trigger to welcome food into the system. And so it's got digestive enzymes. And also it's our first layer of defense for immune. So if we were to lay out under a a microscope, we would find out that we have a lot of active bugs in our mouth, all good, fighting for our best behalf to make sure the food we're taking inside the body is without any, you know, things that could harm us. So we have the immune army in there, and then we have digestive enzymes to start digesting it so we get benefit from the food. Wow. So this starts our digestive process. Who'd have thunk it? I know. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) One more thing that I think we should address in saliva is when we're stressed, when we feel the anxiety of our day or something has upset us, our saliva production actually drops. And some of us would know it by dry mouth oh, yes. or even, yeah, or even a medical condition that some medications can cause, which is called xerostomia. Not that you have to remember that, but that's <laughs> critical because then that means when you don't have enough saliva that you are not going to be absorbing and digesting your foods in the same way. All right. So all this makes sense. How does this impact the foods that we eat? It turns out kind of two sides to the to maybe the same coin. One is we do know that there are certain foods we eat that actually take away the saliva in our mouth so we don't get as much of that juiciness. And then there's foods that actually contribute to saliva production. So now if we practically apply that, if we notice that there's a day where we tend to feel like we have more dry mouth, it might be an opportunity to invite these foods that produce more saliva. They're called sialagogue. It's kind of a fun word to say. Sialagog? So that's one sialagog, very good. And uh, that's one side of the coin, right? Is day to day we dynamically could make food choices to rob our mouth of saliva or to add to it. Then the other side is if we do find that we're in a day that we are very stressed, just being mindful that it's probably a trigger to say my body's not producing as much saliva, meaning I might not have as strong of immune defense or digestive capacity. I better try to get myself better saliva, meaning what can I do to change my nervous system state to be more rest and relaxation instead of what we say, fight or flight. And there's key things we can do to help people in that area too. So what you're saying is that if when we're in fight or flight, our saliva dries up and when we're in cool and meditative, we have more saliva? Yes. Gosh, you summarized it so much better than me. <laughs> but no, you're exactly right. And and I just find that so curious because no surprise in the times we're living right now, a lot of us are running around in a state 
of higher fight or flight than we ever have been. And I think it's a key correlation for us to be aware of that we're kind of, you know, maybe this is an appropriate word to say, but shooting ourselves in the foot because we're we're tying our immune system down by not having that good defense. And then we also aren't really being able to grab all those wonderful nutrients, even in the healthiest foods that we're eating, if we're that stressed and saliva is not as present as it could be. And just taking some taking a drink of water doesn't fix the situation that it doesn't sound like. Oh gosh, you're so intuitive. You are exactly right. Not that hydration does not have a place. It absolutely does. But you're exactly right. The saliva production isn't only tied to hydration. It's more tied to what we say your nervous system tone. In other words, if you're coiled up and not relaxed or in kind of a, you know, a more optimistic rest and relaxation state, That's how your saliva production is affected, more from your nervous system, which I think is really a wonderful takeaway that took me years to to really understand that. But now that we do, we can course correct and help people find ways to build their resilience by paying attention to how much saliva they're producing. All right. How do I produce more saliva? That's the question on the table. Yes, exactly. So I'm going to give you three different ways. How's that? Okay. That's a good place. Okay, so the first one is we're going to go back to the idea that there's certain foods that make us more juicy. And these foods, I, uh, when I say what they are, uh, no one will be surprised because it fi- it, it's in four different buckets. The first, and these are these sialagog foods, foods that produce saliva and help preserve saliva. The first is the citrus family. Oh. So even starting the day, with a couple of glasses of water with a nice squeeze of lemon, lime, or grapefruit in your water is enough to stimulate your saliva glands to go, oh, I get it. You want me to keep producing saliva. So that's one is citrus, including citrus in your day. The second doesn't surprise anybody is watery fruits and vegetables. I was going to say watermelon. Yes, you're exactly right. Watermelon and celery and cucumber and carrot, oranges are fantastic for, again, it isn't even that they're so watery, it's that they have certain minerals that cross talk with our saliva glands saying, hey, in order to chew this up and and make it into the food that's acceptable for the body, produce more saliva, would you? So that's the second category of foods. The third It's going to be a mouthful, but I bet some of your foodies out there are aware of it. It's foods that have umami. And umami now, as you probably well know, is one of the actual tastes, you know, in addition to bitter, sour, salty, and sweet. There's an umami. Yeah, there's an umami flavor, which is a sassy pants word, but it just means satiety attaining. So in other words, soups like miso soup, like mushroom soup, have this wonderful umami, and that talks with our taste buds to produce more saliva. So most of our savory soups, one of the benefits, even though they are liquid, but one of the benefits is they have the body produce more saliva. Wow. I know. And then the fourth, I think, is kind of the most fun. It's using dried fruits 
to actually stimulate the saliva production. So the two top on the list are dried, sweet, tart cherries. And second is dried goji berries. Some of your listeners are going to have to look up those words, but... <laughs> I can completely food. get both of those because when you put them in your mouth, you kind of get this like uh, yes. pucker going on, right? Yes, you are exactly right. So that's the number one. We're going to talk about three ways to help your saliva. That being the first is find foods that naturally stimulate saliva. So we just did the four categories of foods. Uh-huh. Then not to be so number oriented, but if, if that works, the second is to invite lozenges into your mouth. And lozenges, again, no surprise, probably many of us would use them if you're trying to fight a cold or you have a you have a tickle in your throat, right? Mm-hmm. Well, in the, it's actually in the mechanism of, of sucking the lozenge that stimulates saliva production. So you could have a lozenge, and you know, I have ties to no companies, but you could have a lozenge from Ricola. You could have a lozenge that had elderberry. You could have a breath mint, for goodness sake. Mm-hmm. Any of those, it's actually the process of sucking that produces the saliva. So I think that's kind of interesting. And then the third way to help the saliva is actually focused on that nervous system. So it's focused on when you are recognizing you're more tense, what you want to do is flip that nervous system to rest and relaxation. And the best way to do it is breathing techniques where you really tune in to breathing and, and you and I can do one later on if you want so we can show people. <laughs> Let's do it right now. Okay. That sounds wonderful. So breathe and then probably again, you've got probably some good breathers out there. Funny, it's actually a skill, even though we do it every single day. And no surprise when you breathe in, it's bringing oxygen to the body, right? So right. it's stimulating, it's stimulating your body. When you exhale, ah, that is the uh, relaxation. <laughs> exactly. Uh-huh. So if we're going to try to get our saliva back to its normal level, we want to emphasize the breathing out portion of it, right? The relaxation. Mm-hmm. So the breathing technique is one where we're going to breathe in for a count of three, and we're going to exhale for a count of six. So if we were to imagine our nervous system kind of like driving a car where our foot was on the gas, would be breathing in. So it's revving up our system. And then we're coming upon a red light. So we're going to put our foot on the, on the brake and that's exhaling. So if we were to do this where we want more saliva, we're going to breathe in for three and exhale for six. We're braking for six. That relaxation really helps that saliva come back. So we could try that breathing technique together if you wanted. Sure. Okay. I'm ready. Okay. So the first thing, as any good breather would say, is sit up straight. Or if you're standing, stand with your feet very firm, shoulders back and good posture so that your lungs can move in and out very well. And I will count two rounds of this, and then I will let everybody do one round on their own. How does that sound? Okay. Okay. So you're going to breathe in on a count of three, remember, Mm -hmm. and exhale for six. So we're going to breathe in, two, three, exhale, two, three, four, five, six. Breathe in, two, three, 
exhale, two, three, four, five, six. Now take it away one round yourself. And that's very yoga-like. <laughs> it is. And the practical application for this, people are probably wondering, what's the story? I do it in yoga. Why do I have to do it in my day? It's I really advise people that think that maybe their saliva production is, is wavering. Do the breathing technique before you eat because that's when you want the maximum saliva, right? So let's say you're pulling up to the table for lunch today. You could really just take a moment and do four rounds of that. So you're barely doing that for a minute. It's enough. If we were to set up some electrodes on your body, we would see that you have shifted to the brake in the car, which is nice and crystal clear to the nervous system. It's time to get some good saliva going because I need that for digesting my food. Wow. Well, and that sounds pretty simple. Eat the right foods and breathe. Yes. <laughs> I love how you distill things. That's marvelous. And okay. you are exactly right. Well, and you know, one thing that we as humans today, we don't breathe. And you know, people might stop and say, hold on, I've got to breathe every day. But most of the time, what I've learned from my yoga in the past 20 years is that most of the time people breathe really shallow, shallow, short breaths. Yes. And yes. I think one of the things that we need to point out here is that when you're breathing in for three, it's a deep breath. And it's in yoga, we call it a three-part breath where you're yeah. actually breathing down farther into your body. And that's what yes. you're after, right? You are so right. Exactly. Well put. And what other ways do we have to produce saliva? Yes, I mean, this is some fascinating research, if you ask me. <laughs> and remember, we are just kind of introducing the concept that saliva production is very much connected to the side of our nervous system that loves rest and relaxation, right? Yeah. So in order to get that nervous system shift mm -hmm. to be more rest and relaxation and to produce more saliva, would you believe humming and oh. gargling. <laughs> I guess that makes sense. Yeah. In, in fact, one of the uh, studies that we're doing with families, and thankfully we have willing families this time, uh, <laughs> this time around, that are humming a song together before a meal. And the outcome of that is we're measuring, one is these are kids that have digestive issues, and so we're trying to see can we course correct without medicine by just getting their body more in tune to rest and relaxation and digest by humming, producing more saliva, relaxing their digestive tract to accept food better. So that's kind of a crazy one, huh? <laughs> yeah. Do we? Does it matter what we hum? <laughs> well, you know what? It actually doesn't. It's more the time duration. Right. So, and this is always fun too, that we have families that actually set the timer, but humming for a minute is what seems to be the magic amount. <laughs> wow. And then, and then continuing that theme, it turns out that when we gargle, and many times I get the question, well, what do you gargle? And this is really many options, right? You can gargle with warm water. You can gargle with warm water and a little bit of salt in there. You can gargle with a little bit of mouthwash. The idea is the mechanism of gargling 
this goes to, again, how we're hardwired. When you're gargling, you literally are shifting that nervous system to much more of a rest state because obviously you're not breathing at that time, right? So it's kind of like a natural exhale, if you will. So that's intriguing. That's emerging research. So we're excited to see how we practically apply that. So there is one piece here that I see, and I know that the mouth biome, the biology of your mouth is really important, correct? Yes, you are so right. One would want to be careful about what they were gargling with. Yes. Because if you were gargling with an alcohol-based something or... It, yes. it might kill the biology in your mouth. That would be important, right? Yes. Thank you for bringing that up because the one of the areas I was hoping we would talk about is how do we maintain the integrity or the quality of your saliva? And you just hit the nail on the head. What foods that we eat that rob that wonderful, now they call it kind of a garden in our mouth, right? There's right. all sorts of things that work together. And so you're right, an alcohol-based mouthwash and, to be honest with you, toothpaste that have too many chemicals in there Mm. really deaden that beautiful garden that's in our mouth. So you want to be very fussy about your choices of what you're cleansing your mouth with. I use a product... Oh, I can't remember the the company, but it's uh, baking powder, flavored oh, baking, yes. baking soda, baking soda. Yes. Yeah, that yes. works really well. Excellent. Yeah, and, and what I love is, you know, everybody can be their best detectors, be their, like a detective on their own, because if you turn over the package of your mouthwash or the toothpaste, and oh gosh, for all those folks out there that have kids, please, please pay attention And if you're reading the list of ingredients and it sounds like you're in a chemistry lab, (laughs) I would, I would retire it because just as you mentioned, it should be words like baking soda. It should be words like essential oil, peppermint, or words like this contains folic acid, which is a B vitamin. I mean, things that you know and register like, oh, that sounds body friendly. That sounds like something I would want to put in my mouth. Right. Yet another place that we have to pay attention. Yes. Yes, you are. Yes. Thank you for bringing that up because things that we do day to day just rob our beautiful garden in our mouth, which really challenges the quality of saliva. So you are exactly right. And no surprise, probably the three things in foods that we all will nod our head that we would know is too many sodas. Ooh. That mows down all that beautiful garden. Well, I'm gonna actually, set. I'm gonna actually stop you there, and I'm gonna say, really, any sodas, soda pop, yes, anything like Thank that you. is is not good for our health. You're exactly right. And the second category of foods, again, no surprise, is any kind of sweet treats and candies. It just is. It just plays havoc with challenging the saliva production. Interestingly enough as the quality, we have to produce a poorly quality saliva in order to, you know, metabolize sugar. And then the last is processed foods. So all I call it heat and eat. All those heat and eat meals that we might enjoy or open the package quickly to eat, yeah. they contain chemicals that really disturb the quality of saliva. Well, and the quality of your digestive tract. Well, thank you. And yes. then the quality of your life. Yes. Thank you. See, you're so good with tying these all together. (laughs) Well, thanks. 
And so you've also been working on some saliva protocols. What on earth is that? Yes. Oh, I just I just feel like on my tombstone one day, I hope it says this nutritionist bit is it. She changed <laughs> the conversation around kids being able to accept food after they finish their cancer treatments and the elderly have less risk of choking because of saliva protocols. Mm -hmm. So if we go back to the kids, what we're doing is we find that there's a correlation, and I know everyone probably would nod with me, if kids, when they finish their harsh cancer treatments, as fast as they can get back on food and eating the calories that build their bodies, the quicker they recover and build resilience. But the opposite is true. If they struggle getting their food to agree with their body, then their, their trip to recovery is challenged. So what we found out is we introduced the saliva protocol before the three times in the hospital that they're getting ready to eat. We institute those foods that you and I talked about that actually stimulate the saliva glands and we're finding incredible results. When children get a good quality saliva, one is it's soothing for the digestive tract, right? So now they have all those delicious enzymes that welcome the food and so the kids don't get upset stomachs. So I'm really exciting. And that one we're doing up at Stanford. And I'm really excited. Of course, this recent virus and some of the precautions we're taking, we haven't been in the hospital instituting it quite yet, but we're very poised, ready for action when we can. And then the second saliva protocol, I'm also very proud of because my grandmother's journey at 97 years old was that her risk of choking increased greatly. Mm. And she went to the dining room her very first day in her care facility. She had lived on her own up until this time. And that first evening, she was dining with some new friends and she got into a choking episode, which called the paramedics, which called an emergent ride to the hospital, which was her first ride in an ambulance in her whole life, uh -huh. which is all fine. It was, it's what was needed. But what happened next broke my heart. She was highly embarrassed. This was her first night oh. at the care facility. And so she didn't want to go dine there anymore. And so I was highly motivated to say, what, what would it look like if we could assess our wonderful elders coming into a care facility for the risk of choke? And if they were high level, we institute a saliva protocol before their meals. And let's get practical. This is what it was a cup of warm water with lemon before breakfast produced enough saliva that we felt comfortable that they could enjoy their breakfast. Lunch, we gave them a handful of those goji berries uh -huh. and they would chew those goji berries producing enough saliva to have lunch. Dinner, we served them a delicious bowl of a savory soup. And there again, we were able to show that we can produce an, an added saliva so for dinner, that they could enjoy their meal with less of a dry mouth and risk of choking. Oh, my gosh. I, as you were sharing that, I was over here giggling a little bit because it's just great food. <laughs> Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. No, you're exactly right. And, and so, I, you know, we, we have to refine the study. We have to be very precise on what kind of benefits we're getting and who benefits the most. I, you know, all of that is still work needs to be done. But... 
I'm like you. I think we're onto something when we go back to food. <laughs> right. And how can we, so we've been talking now for about 30 minutes about spit and how to make more <laughs> of it. How can we tell if it's working? Yes, that's a great question. And the parameters right now are rather loosey-goosey, if I can say that, in that this, and it, maybe your listeners will get a kick out of this, there's three group uh, groups of saliva researchers. And would you believe none of them are really talking to one another only because we get in our individual silos, right? I mean, uh -huh. what's so great, I think what your podcast does is you bring together circles of communities that really didn't know each other existed yes. in a way, yeah. right? And so we have saliva researchers that are very tied to the taste of foods and our food industry, right? So they understand why we like certain foods and textures. That's one, one group. Second group is biomarkers, which I think all of us are very aware because we recognize now that they can detect different viruses and different changes in the body by our saliva. So they're over there studying, oh, all this juiciness about what messengers are in our saliva. And then the third is a little bit of where I'm camping, which is the dry mouth people. Like, what can we do to intersect improving saliva production to make a better quality life? And the reason I took time to explain all that is all three groups now, thankfully, are starting to talk. And through that, I think we're going to rush to be able to understand if it's working or not, because each group has an idea of what they've been studying as their outcome measurement. But I think it's going to take a collaboration with all three to really know what we're studying. I think on the telltale for all of us to say, gosh, I just put into place one week of that saliva protocol that Patty said, how do I know that it worked? I think being in tune with ranking yourself with saliva production. So mm. saying one is very, very dry mouth where you're peeling your cheeks off your teeth, right? Right. And uh, two, three being neutral, just going, mm, I don't feel like I have high saliva, but I definitely don't have low. And then five being quite juicy. <laughs> and what we've had is once people tune into that to challenge yourself with, when you get up in the morning, where am I on my saliva protocol? Oh, I'm a three, not juicy or not dry. Oh, right before lunch. You know what? I have, I just ate some goji berries. I think I've already moved up to a five. And do that three times a day and see as you begin to adjust your nervous system, add some saliva foods or maybe even gargle, then you can rank yourself, be, be kind of like your own scientist on whether or not you've made a difference. Wow. Okay. I never would have imagined this 30 minutes ago. This is amazing. Because <laughs> I always I always thought the dry mouth was, you know, Greg, go get some water. Yes, I know. I, I Well, you're in the camp with all of us, to be honest. I, I always laugh, Greg. I've been in the field almost 40 years, and this has only been my research in the last two years. Gulp. <laughs> wow. All righty. And you have an interesting product called Jet Renewal, and it's about spit, too. Tell me about that. <laughs> yes, I do. When I was finishing out my studies, I was fascinated that when we travel, 
And uh, I kind of make a little joke here. Remember those days when we jumped on a plane on Monday and jumped on a plane on Thursday and Saturday? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What we found out is when we travel, our saliva production drops 50%. And in that drop, just as we've, yeah, just as we've talked, it shifts our nervous system to be more fight or flight. And so my correlation research showed that maybe how we feel after a travel by plane, whether it's one hour, 10 hours, or 20 hours, the fact that we don't we feel fatigued, some of us have digestive issues, some of us feel tired, some of us feel a little more anxious, all of that, what if we could readjust our saliva for travel? Would we, again, course correct that nervous system to be able to be more relaxed during travel and maybe on the other end, have a little bit more immune resilience because we talked about that with good saliva Mm -hmm. and also just feeling more robustness because our body did not get knocked down out of that kilter of the nervous system. And I was able to show that does happen. So from there, I met a physician who works with professional athletes and the airline industry, and he was wild to create this as a nutrition kit. So Jet Renewal Kit is an immune nutrition and well-being kit and it's you take it where before you get on the plane no no surprises because we've been talking about this you take a lozenge that has those essential oil lemon and peppermint to get those glands to go come on folks keep producing saliva and then you take uh, an immune support which is natural through food it's elderberries and then mid-flight, you're going to take another lozenge to keep that saliva production off so that you're telling your nervous system, oh, go ahead and chill, go ahead and relax. And then because of in the nature of flying, you're actually exposed to additional natural toxins as well as the radiation from the plane. So we give you also food-based, it's broccoli sprouts in a capsule, <laughs> And that is natural. It's like a natural flame retardant for the cells. Uh-huh. It tells it tells the cells, "Hey, I've got your back. We're going to keep you functioning well." And then when you land, you take another immune support and another broccoli capsule, which I call "Take Your Trash Out." So when we sit in the plane for a long time, you can imagine sometimes your cells have built up the trash and they need help taking it out. So. The glutathione in broccoli sprouts is that. So uh, that so it's a. I hope I didn't confuse people. So it's a strip of three different packets. Something you take before, mid-flight, and when you land. Wow. And what would prevent me from just using that on a day-by-day basis? Because it sounds to me like a remedy for dry mouth, maybe. Oh, again, in your brilliance, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> you are, you are so right. What's so nice is we based this on just food base. There's nothing pharmaceutical in it. It's not just a single nutrient. It is literally ground up food in these capsules. So you are right. It really would help the immune side, the digestion side, and then lastly, taking the trash out or what we say, the natural detoxification of our cells. So it helps our cells breathe all by course correcting that saliva. Wow. <laughs> you are really into spit, aren't you? <laughs> like I said, right after this, you and I are going to go get tattoos that say spit is it. Spit is it. There you go. So I'm going to shift on you. And as a returning guest, 
Do you have yeah. a vivid childhood memory associated with food? Oh, I do. And I have two, if that's okay. First one is growing up, I had a grandmother that was, or my grandparents were Norwegian from Norway. Uh, they had, you know, immigrated here to Minnesota. But the one thing that in the Norwegian cuisine is there's a very wonderful procedure. It almost takes six hours to cook a very light, delicate cookie that's called krumkaka. And probably the best way for those of you not, maybe not familiar with that is it, it comes with an, what do I want to say, like an iron, an iron in a pan. And it's probably like a Mexican churro, only it's in the shape of a beautiful flower. And so, yeah, so making the dough and making the steps of putting it in this iron and heating up the pan is quite a procedure. And my grandmother was just, she was little, she was four foot 10 and just, just like a little, you know, fairy or little pixie in the kitchen making these wonderful krumkaka and they would smell delicious. So that, that's very strong memory for me. In fact, would you believe I'm even getting some additional saliva just thinking about I eating a krumkaka? <laughs> yes. And the second one may be, I have to fast forward. It was really when I was 20, but my first job was working in Hawaii. And, and the reason why that was so special is I really saw food as medicine. And I would see these moms come in for their babies who were undergoing these cancer treatments. And they had a small coin of ginger. And these were little kids now. This is a year old and 18 months. And they would put the little coin of ginger in their mouth. And the kids instantly would suckle. They would just, you know, kind of, like I said, almost like they were sipping from a bottle. But all they had was a little form of ginger. And fast forward. Now what we know, the clinical double-blind studies show ginger is one of the best foods, not only to produce saliva, but to settle down the nervous system. Yes. And Right? <laughs> and we found that the kids that had this, of course, we thought they were a little cuckoo when they were doing this to their children, but we studied it and we saw that those kids could refeed faster. They yeah. didn't get the nausea. Wow. So, and I love yeah. ginger. I love oh. eating ginger. <laughs> I, you know, I just, I love it when it's sweetened. Oh. I love it when it's savory uh-huh. with, you know... <laughs> Yeah, that's one of my favorite things. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show again, Patty. Thank you. I had a blast. I can't believe the hour's up. Right. (laughs) And how can our listeners find out about your product and find you? Oh, bless your heart. Thank you. Yes, we, we do have a website where we make the product available for sale. So when you get back to travel, the name of it, so it's jetrenewalkit.com. And I am on Instagram, which my name is Milligan Patty. And we also have a Instagram and Facebook that is Jet Renewal Kit. So I welcome any touch points. I'd love to be in touch with you, especially if we can talk spit. There you go. (laughs) And you can also find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash saliva. And if you'd like to hear more from Patty, you can find her on our 582nd podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash Patty Milligan. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. 
In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free.